0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. In part two, I spoke to Jacob about his rehab in France and at the Injured Jockeys Fund site at Oxy House. We then went on to talk about Jacob's Ambitions for the future. Well, can we now go back to when you arrived in hospital? You spent 178 days in hospital. What, what, do, you, what do you remember about the early days in the hospital? Terrible food. <laughs>
2: terrible food. Well, French, French uh, food is
1: always supposed to be, you know, the uh, culinary highlight well, of Europe. Yeah. Hospital food. Hospital is, food is, well, yeah,
2: terrible food. Um, and I remember it being incredibly hot
1: because it's middle of summer, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yes, middle of summer, middle of Paris, and it was a hot summer last year. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of pain, really, a lot of pain those first what, what, five what weeks.
1: Was, what was the full extent of your injuries when you arrived? at that? Um,
2: I had a chipped C six in my neck, chipped a bone dislocated c7 from c6 in my neck i broke t3 t4 and t6 in my back t4 was so badly damaged that that had caused a compress compression on my spinal cord i'd broken my sternum i broke four ribs and as a result of that i damaged my left lung as well so i'd done a good
1: job yeah certainly had that that there must have been some very dark days when you're first in there. I was only thinking myself what what can you think when you're on your own and um, when you're awake when you full extent of your injuries which you've just revealed how how can you feel then
2: Well, the first week I can't really remember too much to be honest um, my mum like I said, my mum and dad came. That night and they stayed my mum stayed with me for every day bar I think three or four days she wasn't with me. I remember seeing Felix on the, the, the following day after my accident um, it was at a time in France where the Covid was never bad enough to, to, to not allow visitors. We were limited on how many people but that was basically what got me through was the visitors. Um, if it hadn't have been for that, if I'd have been in England, then I don't know how I would have coped. But the lads were very, very good. I was a bit, you know, because you'd you think, oh, these jump jockeys, they you don't want to almost be reminded of what the job can cause. And I, that always, and I can't thank them enough for putting that aside out of their heads. And just, you know, they really just were there for me. And um so they came and saw me a lot i had family friends come over within the first 6 weeks um in the parisian hospital and yeah it was all down to them really it was all about support and um and immediately the first thing i did was was try to look towards the future and what and kind of in a strange way there was a bit of a relief that because I was still trying to make it as a jockey and it was always playing on my mind and it was always getting me down. I hadn't made it and will I make it? And in a strange way, there was a bit of a relief that that was over. That pressure that I was putting on myself to make it as a professional jockey because I wanted it so badly, that was gone. So then I could kind of then there was a release
1: thing. There was a release from that sort of pressure. Yeah
2: yeah and then also I looked, and then I remembered just wanting to see my friends a lot, and it made me instantly realize that God, there is so much more to life and how important my friends are, because I was almost putting everything
1: into one riding thing.
2: was everything,
1: yeah.
2: and my social life was having a an effect, and you know i was I was very tired and therefore miserable and didn't want to be you know. And it was just like, yeah, it was almost like in a small way, kind of, it was a little bit of, I was quite glad in, in a small way, um, uh, probably. Uh, a bit.
1: How did it affect your parents? Because they must have spent a lot of time in a foreign country. Well, I
2: joked that they basically got a, you know, they got a summer in Paris, but it wasn't quite in the circumstances uh, that, that they would have liked. Um, They've been fantastic, yeah, yeah. They've, um, I mean, from what I've seen, they've been as strong as a rock. Obviously, I can't comment on what what they what happens behind closed doors, but um, yeah, of course, it's been hard. Um, it's been hard for all of them, but I suppose they. It, it's funny they take strength from how I have dealt with it, but then had the reason I've dealt with it so well is because of them. So. But it's been—it was definitely a blow on all of the family, yeah, grandparents included.
1: Did you have to move hospitals a few times as well? And and what was the physio like?
2: Yeah, after seven weeks in the hospital in the centre of Paris, they took me to uh, to the west of Paris to Garche, which is like the Stoke Mandeville equivalent in France um, for high speed crashes and collisions that affect your spinal cord it was a a long four months doing rehab and you saw your life experience grew in that four months probably than it more than it would in in however many years because you could never feel too sorry for yourself for too long there because I only had to look across at my roommate in the early part of his rehab and the poor bloke would have to watch me being able to put shoes on and a t-shirt on and he was still at the stage i was a couple months earlier do you know what i mean where you're getting bed bathed unfortunately you have to have your the toilet done in the bed you know it it's it it it, it, it was that that's how bad it was early on it you know you, you were everything was everything was happening in the bed um you know i'm not as shy as i was that's for sure anymore because you you lose all decency and um yeah i always joke that once once you once a uh, once about 200 nurses have seen you naked then you know there's there's really nothing nothing that that can't be said but yeah when there there was time there were some really tough times i remember thinking there were there were stages when everyone was starting to up and walk you know and it was like why me why why not me um and then a week later you were the only one transferring onto a to a bed by yourself onto a onto a physio bed so yeah very up and down there was a period which got very hard when France went into lockdown and I was stuck in the hospital for six weeks. Um, but at the same time, I had some brilliant times at the hospital because they took us out land sailing. I think it was in the October I went land sailing and um, with the hospital, so kind of by myself. And it was a good tester. And then after that, I was unable to go out on weekends and I got to go to the Arc de Triomphe. And got taken into the Coolmore suite because they couldn't have any runners. So, um, and then I went to the Grand Steeple de Paris for the French Gold Cup and got to see my good friend Louisa Carbury win the Gold Cup. So, and in a weird way, I wouldn't have ever done that if it wasn't for the accident because I never would have, if you know, it's the wheelchair kind of got me there in a, in a yeah. strange way.
1: Um, so, when did you actually come back to the UK? Are you say we 178 days? That's six months. So was that about the end of the year, Christmas time or?
2: Yeah, I did I did Christmas in France because the everyone had been so good to me. And if it wasn't for the accident, I'd have done Christmas in France anyway. So I went, I did a little tour of France, ten days post accident post I left the hospital, I did ten days in France. And I went and saw my old yard. I went and went down to Poe and had a big party for my birthday. And it was probably it was really good because nothing was easy in terms of accessibility and bedrooms and stuff. And all my friends were brilliant, carrying me up, up and down stairs. Um and then yeah, came back to England on the 29th of December. And then It was then, and then we were in lockdown again over in England. So, Dad had already been back in the UK since October, adapting the house, um, which you know couldn't have been easy on on them because that was a stressful enough thing to go through. You know, because we didn't know how to what to do to the house.
1: That must be a big
2: yeah. It's just it's just kind of. Mentally trying to visualize the wheelchair in the house and how it would work, and then, and then it did turn out to be a big job because my mum and we had to swap bedrooms. We had to install a lift um to go from the dining room straight up into the into the my bedroom. There was alterations to the bathrooms turn into a wet room, and it was like, what layouts going to work? Um, and then do we, and then there was also flaws because wheelchairs do not like carpet. And so that, that was another thing. And yeah, you know, when obviously COVID, so nobody's, you know, available. Um, the council were backlogged with other things. Um, yeah. He had a tough, tough two months out in England getting that sort of, And then also you then had mum living in France by herself, dealing with a 24-year-old, 23-year-old person who at times was not very easy to deal with, um, uh, let alone the language barrier of trying to get paperwork done. Um, So we came home and we basically, I think I spent a month in the house and I saw my grandparents, probably wasn't meant to, and yeah it was hard because you'd spent the last 6 months speaking to everyone saying we'll meet up when you go home
1: and then we went into lockdown and you go
2: home and you don't see anyone and then the also the plan was was to come home and almost go straight into oxeey to continue that that rehabilitation so that you don't lose it and we couldn't do that either so I think I did two days in the January as a taster at Oxy house because they didn't know what, how fit I was or if I could do anything from a, um, and then I think yeah if I remember correctly, February was another month at home and March, I think I did a week at Oxy house and then it was another five weeks at home. It, yeah, it was, that was almost at times harder than, the, the
1: six months in the hospital. I was going to say, I was going to say, I mean, it was hard for all of us, but uh, it must have been even harder for you when we've got complete lockdown and uh, you couldn't get to the injured fund Oaksy House on a regular basis to carry on all the rehabilitation you'd done for the previous six months.
2: No, it, no. And I took it, took a lot of it for granted because when we went into lockdown in France, you were st- I was still riding out in in when it first happened in the march and the april because obviously the horses still had to be looked after and in france it was only 10 weeks of no racing so we got back to racing a lot quicker than than they did in england so and you basically lived with who you worked with who you who were your best friends so i i never really fully appreciated how hard it was and then again you're in hospital and in your your rehab was your job. That's how I looked at it. It was a job. It was up at eight o'clock, two hours to get yourself showered, toilet, dressed, down to rehab for 10, two hours of rehab, lunch for an hour and a half. You know, there was a, there was a schedule almost very similar to your day in a racing stables. And then you, I came home and it was, there was nothing to, to get up for. um, probably did me actually some good looking back in because it allowed my body to heal and rest and actually I then re- I remember going to physio in the march time and I had actually below the level of injury in my core stuffed muscles started to flick on and off so there'd been a bit of um healing had done there a bit of almost regeneration and I kind of look back and think, would that have happened if I'd have just kept hammering everything? So, and then since then, more and more regeneration, and I've, I've, I've managed to gain more and more core strength. I mean, nothing that would help me sit up to to that type of degree, but in terms of posture, in terms of seated balance, it's it's been being able to to regain that has been a big help from such a high level injury.
1: And how often and now are you going to the? um injured jockeys fund at oaksie house i go i did a, the full
2: month of june to really try and you know see what see what would happen if i did a full month of and uh yeah that was quite hard that was very full on and i'm going and i'm, I'm now going to do i would have just done two i've just done two weeks now so, yeah, the end of August, I've just, I've just done my two-week stint now. So I had six weeks off, and I've just finished doing two weeks uh, in, in, at the end of August.
1: And, and looking to the future, on um, really positive news, you've um, joined Team GB's Future Stars programme for table tennis. How did that come about?
2: Yeah, um, well, we used it as a form of rehab, And I played it in school and I was like, this could be something I could get into here and compete at. It's not. It's a very accessible sport. You know, there's not a lot of high costs in terms of bats and stuff. So. And I was we bought a table at home and I remember speaking to someone one day and they said, oh, how's the table tennis going? And I didn't really have much of an answer because it wasn't really going anywhere. Obviously, COVID hadn't helped, so I, I just rang up British Para Table Tennis and basically told them who I was, what had happened, and what where I want to go and what I want to do. So they signed me up to this Future Stars. The pathway coach, Sean Marples, rang me and said, shall we have a Zoom call and a, and, a, and a get and a meet and greet?" You know, showed a lot of interest, which I really liked. And then he got me into a club. He came down and joined me on that day again, showing interest. Um, said, "Yeah, there's some there's some talent here. There's there's a possibility to to improve a lot. Um, there's a two day camp in Sheffield in in July. It was for other future stars players. Um, so I went down to that." I was the only person in a wheelchair on the Future Stars, but there were some other Team GB players in wheelchairs. And um, and off the back of that, I then got invited to a two-day camp, but for the team above Future Stars, um, which was really, really um, well. Just, it was just brilliant, really.
1: Um, so, is, they, it, is they, it that competitive competitive element as a sportsman that you want to still play sport?
2: Yeah, no, be, definitely because I had I had you know I was only a jockey for two and a half years and I felt like I I didn't do it for long enough and I hadn't achieved what I probably wanted to achieve. So there's definitely that drive in me to to get more success, to be you know to prove myself as being you know get uh, as successful. And uh, so, yeah, so definitely want to be more competitive. And, and I'm young as well, so it, now is the right time to do it. That was, that was the other thing. Um,
1: and I've read you, you're you looking to, is it, is it a Paralympic sport then, table tennis? Um,
2: yes, yeah, it, it is, yeah. So Team GB have got 13 Paralympians at Tokyo for table tennis, two won gold at Rio. So that'll be exciting, see if they can defend their titles um i i'm not going to aim me maybe i should but i'm not going to aim for paris because if i was going to it would mean monday to friday of table tennis as of as of this monday type of thing
1: because we've and only got a after, three year gap haven't we for this olympia yeah
2: yeah and after six years of working and racing and missing holidays and moving to France away from family. I just feel like, well, I, I said, I said after the accident that I, that I was going to take time off to rehab and I was going to enjoy life a bit. Cause like I said, you know, there was, you kind of realized that there are things more important like your friends and, and seeing people. So I wouldn't, if I was to focus on Paris, if there was a family birthday, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to go to it. Whereas these next three years, it is a case of right. I want to go there on that day, or do that on that day, and and enjoy life and 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 make the most of it. And um, but whilst still training, obviously, and I will be competing in order to get to the stage that post Paris Olympics, I'm ready to really put the next four years of dedication into to try and make the la squad if i can
1: well the best of luck with that and, and you also uh uh you want to become a a bloodstock agent as well i've seen you visiting some studs recently on uh twitter and and instagram
2: yeah that was that was probably my first um thing that popped into my head post post accident um of what i wanted to do Again, probably being at a yard like Emmanuel's where he sold so many great horses to Ireland and then you're riding the half-brother or the half-sister, it, it always got you interested in in the sales a little bit and, and the, the, the pedigrees. And also being at Sir Mark's, that kind of kick-started it, looking at the pedigrees from the book one horses that he bought and the book two horses. And it was like, oh, we've bought, we've bought this as a potential derby horse. or you know, or all of Kirsten Rousings' brilliant pedigrees that she had. So there was always a keen interest there. Um, But it was just, obviously, I was kind of thrown into it a little bit sooner than probably ideal in a way. But as soon as the Racing Post article came out, Anthony Bromley rang me up straight away and said, I've just read this. It's devastating what's happened to you. But anything you need, just give me a shout, and I'll do everything I can to help you with your, with your, you know, with your aspiring career in this. And the first sale I went to was the the Doncaster May store sale. I was with Anthony, so we kept in touch, and um, he's been fantastic. Even got the invite to the Million in Mind Open Day the other week. So, uh, so no, he, we we've become good friends, and and I'm learning a lot from him and like, yeah, like you said, been up to the national stud to look at stallions. And again, just all off the articles, these people have got in touch with me and yeah, racing community is very, very close knit. And it's really shown with how they, how, the, how I've been treated since the accident. Very good.
1: And you like, you've always liked going to the sales anyway. I think Tattersalls and, and, uh, and the like, yeah. even, before, even before the accident.
2: Yeah, I went a couple of times when I was at St. Mark's. Um, didn't have a clue what was going on back then. Um, it's far too wet behind the ears. But uh yeah, I've always enjoyed that and, and looking at that. And I've actually just purchased a brood broodmare um, from France. Um, so uh, I took my granddad to that million and mind open day to kind of sweeten him up because he's gone from having couple of horses to now having a retired point to pointer and now he's got now he's got a brood mare on the farm um she's coming over from France and the nice story about that is is she's actually the mare who gave me my first winner in France um and my biggest winner I won on her twice so yeah kind of I wouldn't have just bought any brood mare but I thought there's a bit of sentimental value with that with that and she's special to me so with a good page, so um she she should be coming over soon. So it's exciting times, really.
1: Yeah, well, and it's good for your your granddad as well. He's the one that started you off on on this journey in horse racing.
2: Yeah, he, you know, he's obviously he was gutted that it hit him hard, and it was gutted that my dream, and you know, his dream of wanting to see me do really well was over. But now we've got this to kind of throw ourselves into and we're going to go and see the stallion together and you know, he'll obviously be heavily involved and, and um, yeah, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And this can kind of be something I do during my table tennis to keep me involved in everything. And then blood would be more of a long-term thing because you're always learning. So there's no point rushing into it. I, that's what I think anyway.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of contacts. A lot to know there. Um we said off air and I've read this as well, that you, don't think that you're um an inspiration but why do you why do you think that
2: well it's just i don't know it's just because there are there are a lot of other people in my situation who are far more inspiring or have done far more inspiring things um you know I, i've only just spent you know it's only been a year since the accident and all i've basically been doing is visiting things getting out and about and doing rehab you know I haven't done any any incredible achievements you know there's there's no Paralympic gold for example around my neck yet or there's no you know um, but um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and um, like ed Jackson's and watching a couple of documentaries of it um, was a rising phoenix one of the Paralympics and that really kind of, when you watch stuff like that, that kind of made me feel inspired to go and just, just get up and do things really. Um, But it's, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't ever have called myself inspiring. No, not at all. It's just getting on with life.
1: Yeah. What I found inspiring is reading the article in the racing post. and you You can sort of elaborate on this is the, um, Story about when you were swimming recently, um, doing the, I think you were going to do 10 lengths and you'd done six, but you stopped and then you you restarted and finished.
2: That was actually the the first year anniversary of, that was on the 23rd of June uh, of this year. So it was uh, one year to the day. So I probably shouldn't have been doing something so strenuous because emotions were all over the shop. And it was down in Winchester. It was in the hydro pool and hydro pools are, are very hot. They're about 35 degrees. Um, we had to do a, a six minute swimming fitness test. So probably slightly too hot to really be doing that. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm quite fit now. I'm, I'm in a good position rehab wise strong obviously swimming fitness is completely different and i did four lengths of front crawl and my arms were 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 knackered so i decided i'd do uh breaststroke um so i did two lengths of that and i went and the target was target was 10 to 12 so we're at six at this point and probably about three Three and a half minutes of the way through, and they were egging me on, and you know, giving me, you know, keep going. And I remember pushing off, sticking my head under the water, and my arms just laying by my side. And it was something, you know, just that. Um, and I was never a, a swimmer in the first place. You know, I was never a big fan of it. So, and I remember just sticking my head over the water and says, oh, "I'm done," and then obviously you can't put your foot down or anything. So I just started to sink and they came and saved me, which for me, I always find embarrassing. And I remember just sitting there, be feeling, you know, quite emotional and not that I was showing it, but inside. And it was, you know, just that frustration of just not being able to do more because of the, the lack of use of 75% of your body. and tired and um I could say obsessive over just the day itself but i looked at the physio and, and i was kind of like Do you know there, no, this is this six six to me doesn't feel good enough so i buckled down and i did another two and a lot of people who i've heard since spinal cord injury says that they learn you know you learn a lot more about yourself and you they've become a lot better person and I think in those two lengths, going up and down, which took a minute forty-five to do ten lengths, and it's not a twenty-five meter swimming pool, it's not a very big one. Um, I definitely pushed through a lot of barriers mentally and felt like that I kind of learned a lot about myself and was just proud of such a small achievement, really. But it it, it just showed me that actually then really a lot of things are possible for someone like myself so don't put up any barriers um and i recently recently listened to a a paralympian an american paralympian who climbed who was the first paraplegic to climb kilimanjaro unassisted and the motto he said was it's not what happens to us it's what we do with what happens
1: with us or what happened to
2: us so yeah
1: Yeah, thank thank you very much for sharing that with us. It should be, I know you say you're not, but it should be an inspiration to all of us uh, in how we go about our lives. And what your with your rehab? What's the prognosis? Is there hope that you will get more mobility?
2: Well, my spinal cord was only compressed, so there's always a question mark really on on how on how much will how much i will recover because we just don't know how badly the nerves were damaged when it got compressed um doctors and and you know specialists will say that with spinal cord injuries you've got 18 months to 2 years and what we'll, and after that basically that's your window and if after that amount of time if you're still in a wheelchair there's still no movement then you're probably not going to to get it but We, you know, live with hope, and 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 that's all we can do. It's not something that, it's not a door that I've shut. You know, ever trying to walk again, but I've definitely had to and have come to accept the fact that there is a high chance that it won't happen. Um, And you know, I suppose you have to just say that you're okay with that because you you, you're not going to get through the day resting on the thought of oh I hope I do walk again um so yeah we, we do everything we can that's what this year was it was a year to to throw everything into those rehab sessions um but I'm not going to be a permanent patient and um as of next year it will be kind of doing it to maintain your body and you know the rehab and we'll see what happens really. But like I said, I have recovered a little bit of stuff, nothing in my legs. And it's only minimum and minimal stuff in the stomach. But that's not to say that, that in three, four, five years time, I won't recover more. It's spinal cord injuries are different for everyone. And I suppose the brain, the brain is quite a powerful thing. So who knows?
1: Well, it sounds like you've you've thrown everything into it since since the accident. Finally, is there any people you particularly like to thank who've helped you over the last eighteen months, or are there so many that have helped? There, you? there,
2: yeah, there is. Obviously, uh, mum and dad, nan and granddad, and buds, well, and all the, the close family have been fantastic, um, and the the three rehab places, injured jockeys fund, Matt Hampson. Up in Melton, maybe the Matt Hampson Center and Hobbs rehabilitation. They've been huge. Um, and then as for close friends, I mentioned in the racing post article, uh, there was four Alice, Felix, Reese and, and Freddie. And then there's, there's been, there's been lots of other very, very good close friends as well who have, who have been fantastic. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's far too many to count really
1: well thank you hopefully one day you'll be that um, gold medal will be around your neck at the, the Paralympics uh, uh, and I'd love to catch up with you again on the, the podcast to, to see how you're getting on for a, for a future programme and best of luck also with your bloodstock career and all the rehab and thank you very much for joining me and telling me your story on the paddock and the pavilion no thank you very much for having me Stephen thank you very much thank you Thank you for listening to The Paddock and The Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and now on Instagram at The Pad and
2: Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby,
2: Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa.